Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. There's a lot of ways to get somewhere. Um, I know where we're going <laughs> this morning. Uh, but we're just going to sit right here at this intersection and determine how we're going to get there and allow the Holy Ghost connect up with him because you know uh one, one thing i i do know and that the lord uh has been saying some things to me concerning this church in this region and you know this church has a voice in this region am i loud enough i like to slap people upside the face with my voice just make or maybe turn the volume up and i need to hear myself um i i so they may not need to hear me but i need to hear me <laughs> so how do many of you know that this, how long has this church been here? Ten years, October. So this October will be ten years. Talk about a watershed moment. I'm telling you, there is a shift that's happening here in this church. And it's a shift in positioning you because you have a voice in this region. How many of you know... Um, that there are, are specific anointings and there are specific people that carry certain things. And you say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know if that even applies to me. Well, if you're a, a, a part of this church, it does. And so what, what am I saying? I'm saying that God is positioning you for a voice in this region, right? This region... How many of you know, um, it's kind of interesting, and, and I think some things, you know, I, I know y'all don't stream, and y'all start at 1030, and, and all these things, I, I think some of that's going to change. Um, not be, I like the idea that, that you don't stream because it forces you, if you want to be a part of what God is doing, you got to come here. But you're going to have a voice in this region, and people will come from all over because of what you carry, right? And um, so people need to see and be able to receive that can't be here. Now, that doesn't mean you're allowed to be lazy. If I catch any of you being lazy, maybe we'll put, you know, you know, they put these things where your cell, you, you can walk in a building or something and your cell phone doesn't work or what. We're going to put that in a 25-mile radius where streaming doesn't work. Within 25 miles, you got to get in your car or your go-kart and you got to get here. Because there's things in this building, you know. It's not because pastor gets up and preaches on this platform. It's because you, the people who assemble here, which are the churches, because of what you carry. And when you come together, it's what is released and people can receive it. Don't think that you can stay home and God can still release because you carry what this house carries. Does that make sense? So you don't get a free pass because they're streaming. And I just think, Pastor, it, maybe it's just for when I come here. Um, if I ever do come here again, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> 1030, I, I just don't know if I can get everything out here uh, in, this, in this one and a half hour, hour period. So, you know, it's, it's, I love that y'all sang the song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. What Yesterday and this last week, the Lord, the, the scripture that has just been rolling around in me is that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I, I'm not, I'm a worshiper as a person. I'm, I, you don't want me to come and do what they did. Like, 
I can flat out out worship everybody in this room, including the the maybe the pray. Not saying I'm I'm better than I'm just saying because I'm a worshiper. But you wouldn't really want to hear my voice leading you into worship. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? But I love. I have learned in all my life and all that I do that the one thing I will not withhold is my worship. And I believe that this is, and I've never taught on worship because I'm not, I think, I always, I don't know why. I, I, maybe I thought praise and worship leaders taught on worship. I, I don't know, you know, preachers preach and worship leaders worship. But I, I so I, we were in the car the other day and I was like, um, uh, man, this, this scripture just keeps coming to me. And it, it just, I, 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 I keep, I was listening to it on the, um, on my Bible app. Y'all ever listen to scripture? If you don't, you should, you should read the Bible. You should listen to the Bible. You should sleep with the Bible. You could hug the Bible. I mean, the Bible literally says to take the Bible and take the words and bind it around your neck. I ain't seen any flavor flav, like, you know, like just <laughs> like get you a chain, baby, like, and put it right there. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, y'all, y'all look at me like, who's Flavor Flav? Y'all had Flav. I was here when Flavor Flav was around. Like, you know what I mean? Remember the guy that wore the big clock on it? Thank you. Thank you. We got one. Hallelujah. It's good. Y'all don't know nothing about Flavor Flav. Y'all been raised in the holy house of God. Y'all's youth pastor kept that from you. Somehow it slipped through, and I knew who he was. I don't know what happened. now. anyway. Um, but it, that's what it said. So I want to. Try, there, the, the Holy Ghost wants to release some things before we leave today, and, and maybe some ministry individual, but, but I, I'm, I am a responsive individual, and it's not me, it's the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit moves, not because I preach, not because your pastor preaches, but when the Holy Spirit is present, he requires a response. And so anytime that you're in church, anytime you're in service, anytime you're at home, in your bedroom, on your toilet, wherever, and the Holy Ghost shows up, it requires a response. You should be responding a couple of times a day, if you're wondering, not just on Sundays. But anyway, so we're going to go to Genesis 29 is, is where we're headed. You know, I was reading over this last night, and you know, this is the story of Rachel and Leah. And I have to be honest, I've, I've never preached on the, I mean, I've referred to it, but I, I've never preached on the, the story of Rachel and Leah. And so, um, you know, through Jacob came uh, uh, the, the tribes of, of uh, Israel, you know, all the 12 tribes. Ten of them came out of Jacob's relationships, don't even quite, you know, you start talking about the four wives and the concubines and the, all the young people are like, what? Don't even ask. Anyway, so, you know, there, the, the lineage of Jesus, you got Abraham and you got Isaac, you know, Isaac and Rebecca, they had Jacob. And Jacob, you know the story of Jacob, we'll read it right here in, in Genesis 29. It starts in verse 31 is, is where we're going to read. It says, um, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Do you hear her pain? And and it's kind of interesting because she's not full-blown ratchet. But, but she recognizes 
the Lord, right? But she says, I'm doing this also for my husband. You know, have you ever, you know, I'm doing this so my husband will love me too. Don't act like there haven't been times in your life, <laughs> you know, where, where you're like Leah, with half your heart, you say, God, this is for you. But the other half, it's like, I, I need people to recognize this. I need people to accept this. I need people to know that I did this. People serve the church that way. People serve husbands and wives and kids and, and at their work. It's like, you know, I, I, I'm doing this for, and we all say, I'm doing it for the Lord. We say the right thing. There's even a hard intent to know that that's the way it should be. But she said, I'm, I, surely my husband will love me too. Like, Lord, this is for you. But I, I'm, I'm believing that something will happen here, right? And we act like we're doing it for God. And, and, and I'm really going to try to stay on track with this. So I, I wrote I wrote notes. I, I don't normally preach with notes, but I, I wrote notes. I got lots of notes. I sat down at their kitchen table last night and wrote these notes. And, and it's, it's kind of very chaining for me. So I, I don't really know. But I wanna, there's some things here that I believe the Spirit of God is trying to say to you. To you. Say me. Me. God is speaking to me. There's some things in here. Okay? So, so it's a, you know, we act like we're doing it for God. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to stay any longer on that. But So she named this son, it says, out of her pain. She names it out of her incompleteness. She names it out of her insecurity. So it says she named him Reuben. And then it goes on. And, and it says in verse 33, it says, Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again. I mean, like she's throwing them out there. And bore a son and said, Now this time... My husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. Have you ever just gotten tired of doing things for approval? You know, we have a generation, and it's not, it's not, I'm not talking to the world. Recognize I am preaching a sermon to the church. We're not streaming this to the bars, we're not streaming this. I am speaking to born again believers who should have only an audience of one. Yet we live for the accolades of everyone else. And we live, and, 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 it's, and that has gone from the, church, from the world, and it's creeped into the church. We, we don't even do church anymore for God and for what he, I mean, church is to equip the saints. It's not about what God wants to do. It's a way that we can get you in here and appease you and rock you and make you feel comfortable enough that you'll come back next week. There's a shift. You got to jump through hoops, and some of y'all feel like this at home. Some of you feel like this at work, and you've lived for the accolades of everyone else, and you've done it. Sure, you've done it for God. It was what God wanted to bring into your life, but you said, surely people will see me different. It says she was unloved. 
And I love this. Because this shows me, when you, when you read this, you, you, you see that Leah gets to a breaking point. Here, we're going to read it here in a minute. And, 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 and what I love about this is that Jesus does not say, it says that Jesus is not the tribe of Reuben, of Simeon, or Levi. In verse 35, it says this. It says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. It says, now this time. I wonder if 2021 will be your now this time. This time I will praise the Lord. This time I will recognize what God is doing in my life and I will bring glory and honor to him. This time, right? I mean, you, you got to have a this time. It's a different time. I will praise the Lord. She named him Judah. That, that means praise, right? What does God want? God wants your Judah, right? And, and, and so what I want you to recognize here, this is what the Lord said. I'm skipping over some of this. You'll be happy. We've, we've moved to page two. <laughs> you know, really, you got to get to a place where you say, I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm not going to church so that people will think I'm something I'm not. I'm not uh, worshiping. You know, I heard somebody say the other day, me and, me and the girls, we were listening to something, and he, was, he, he did this sermon, and he called it Get Naked. We were like, well, it piqued all the youth's interest. Get naked. What in the world? And he was talking about how um, in the garden, you know, Adam and Eve, they were naked before the Lord. They were unashamed. And in church, what we do, we can't get naked before the Lord and just worship Him. And we just can't give ourselves to Him. So we literally, what did Adam and Eve do? They put fig leaves on to cover them. And we do the same thing in church because we're not in, in a place of where we need to be with God in that we've laid down our life. You know, I, I, I tell people this, when you get born again, you don't just add Jesus to your life. That's how the church does it now. You know that. Come down here, get saved, and, and let Jesus come into your life. No, 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 no. Jesus, he takes over your life. He becomes your life. And we come to church, and even the way we worship, we come, and we all know how to do it. You know? And we just, it's just, look, it, it, what are you doing? You're putting fig leaves on to cover what you don't want people to see. To cover your, I'm unloved. To cover your pain and your insecurities. And you come into worship and, and we just know how to do it. And we know how to move and we know how to raise our hands. And we know how to do this. And we've learned to do church. But God doesn't want you to do church. God wants your Judah. God wants your worship. Now this time, I will praise the Lord. I've done it for everybody else. I've lived my life for things I don't even want to tell people. But this year, this time, I will praise the Lord. So the first thing I want you to understand is that it says in here, it goes on to say that Leah is blessed. 
Leah doesn't feel blessed, <laughs> but she's blessed. Leah uh, feels incomplete. Leah uh, feels like she's got to compete with Rachel, but she's blessed, right? Do you know you can be in a season of blessing and be ignorant of the blessing all around you? And complete miracles all around you and completely uh, complaining. Leah is blessed, but she is very uncomfortable, right? Until you get new eyes... To see the blessing all around you, you will never be able to sing a new song unto the Lord. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying it like I got it, okay? Real worship is looking around you and praising the Lord. Real worship is looking around you at the incompleteness. At the people that the enemy wants to speak to your mind and say, what if? Well, she's got something you don't have. She has access to a place you don't have access to. I mean, real worship is being able to look around and still say, this time, Lord, (laughs) this time I will praise you. You can be in a season of blessing and still complaining. You can be in a season, season of blessing and not tithing because you don't make enough or you think you don't make enough. You can be in a season of blessing and feel incomplete. Let me tell you this. The job of the enemy is to make your blessing feel better, bitter to your mouth. You're sitting in the blessing of God and it tastes bitter to you because of what you see and what you compare yourself to. The, 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 um, really, the enemy's goal is to to make you see your dream as a nightmare some of y'all believe for what you have right now and you don't see it as a blessing you see it as a it's a you know you don't believe how many y'all believe for a husband and then you're like that man he won't pick up his pants out he puts the dishes i mean you know you just complain but seven valentine's days ago you know, you were like, oh, Lord, <laughs> oh, you know. Anyway, we won't get there. <laughs> Basically, the season that you prayed for is the season you are in. But you can't stand the life you live. Because the enemy has made your blessing bitter to you. So often we complain about the burden associated with the blessing that we have. So much. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to camp out there. I'm going to keep going. But, I mean, that's because it's that 9, 20, 11, 24 thing up there. I don't know what that means, but somebody need to take that down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Leah is, <laughs> I, don't, I don't read numerical numbers. I'm, I speak English. What is that? Um, Leah is blessed, but she is so infatuated with Rachel's life that she can't see that God has loved her and opened up her womb. It says because she was unloved, God had compassion on her, loved her, and opened up her womb. Yet out of her pain, she's walking. She doesn't see the blessing of the Lord. Leah is blessed. Leah was not appreciating the blessing because she was stuck 
in comparison. Comparison. One of most, you know, I, I got two daughters. They're, they're here with me today. My husband's stuck in Orlando. He was wanting to be here. Anna and Caroline and my other daughter, Ava. You say, what is that? You know, them family friends that they just always there at mealtime, you know. <laughs> and so... <laughs> No, they just, they went down to Universal together, and we picked Ava up from her parents and uh, Caroline from her parents, so they're here. But Anna was, was talking to me a, a few months ago, and she was like, you know, Mama, one of the, the greatest things that, that my friends and my generation has to deal with is comparison. But reality is, especially because of the culture that we live in, we all have to deal with comparison. And we're always comparing ourselves to the person beside us the church beside us, the, 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 um, even the departments inside of the church. They get more money than we do. If people supported us like they support them. And I mean, you know, it's just comparison. You look in the mirror and you're comparing yourself to the other thousand images you saw that day. Right? Terry said, man, you go down and, and look at, you, you can use my makeup mirror. I was like, ooh, Fancy. I don't have one of these at my house. I just got to stand and put on my makeup, right? And I sit down on this plush little stool and this whole thing, and she's got this makeup mirror, and it's got lights, and I was like, I had to figure out how to turn it on, and I turn it on, and poof. It scared me. I was, <laughs> and then I flipped it over, and it was like times 10. And I said, I went to Kim, and I said, I felt like I had Saul's armor on. I had to get up. I was like, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with this here. Like, I, I don't know that I can handle that much of me in front of me. Like, I just, it was too much. I had to walk away. And um, anyway, comparison, it will kill you. It will keep you out of the will of God. It will hinder you from seeing your blessing. And I'm telling you, it was up front and, and, and close in Leah's life. Rachel, she continually compared herself to Rachel. I mean, think about this. Moses was writing the book of Genesis. And the Holy Spirit whispered her in his ear that not only was she unloved, I mean, because Moses wrote this, you got that? And, the, and it, the, the scripture is inspired by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost had to tell Moses to tell us that she was ugly. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know how ugly you have to be for the Holy Ghost to tell you <laughs> that you're ugly. <laughs> but that's what happened. I mean, am I seeing it wrong? Because they say what it means is that she was ugly. I mean, you read all the commentators. And the Holy Ghost told Moses to put it in Genesis. I mean, I saw myself times ten today, but I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, I hope that the Holy Ghost is talking about me. He'd say, you know, Moses, you know, he wouldn't whisper, you know, and say, Shelly, <laughs> she was um, ugly. <laughs> U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. <laughs> like, I mean, and then, and then I don't know how cute you got to be to be Rachel. But Laban told Jacob, you got to work seven years for her. I mean, I'm not a guy and I ain't got to work for a girl. But I don't know. Like, I don't know how cute you'd have to be to work seven years. I mean, that's like fine on another level. Like... She poops gold. That's why he, I mean, I don't know. Like, what would you have to do 
to work seven years for this girl. So there's Leah, who the Holy Ghost said, she ugly. And then there's Rachel, who said, she, the whole, same Holy Ghost, said, she is fine. So, I mean, put yourself in Leah's shoes. She had to live in that. I mean, you know. So let me ask you this question. Who's your Rachel? Somebody that does something better than you. You think it uh, uh, has been afforded a different life than you. Because Leah was still called. I mean, Leah is in the lineage of Jesus. Her children. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Who is your Rachel? We got to get going. I'm only on page three. While Leah, but here's the amazing thing. While Leah was wishing she was Rachel, Rachel was wishing she was Leah. You carry something. You carry something. And if you devalue what you carry, you will never release the move of God in you to your generation. It's it, This shift, it takes you recognizing who you are, stop comparing yourself to somebody else, and humbly coming and sitting in the chair thinking, well, at least I'm here. That, let's just keep going. We have to put ourselves in Leah's shoes because she's struggling with comparison. Because she's been raised with insecurities. You know, I, 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 I've always worked with, with teenagers. I'll be 85 and working with teenagers. And, um, you know, you hear people, especially young adults and stuff like this, they'll say, I, I'm going on a social media fast, right? And you, you see people post, I want to be gone for 30 days. <laughs> you see that on there? I'm like, well, why would you tell us? Like, why don't you just go? Like, why do you want to announce it? <laughs> like, oh, I see. And then you see people watching your story. I'm thinking, you, I thought you was on a fast. Oh, you're just on a fast from posting. You ain't on a fast from watching. You know what I'm saying? You know, some of y'all ain't shouting because y'all the people who done that, right, right? But this is, this is what I wrote. But if you do a social media fast because you struggle with comparison, but you hop back on on day 31 and you never deal with the contentment issue that is actually the root of the problem, if all you did was take away the fruit of the problem and not the root of the problem, you will always be blessed and not even appreciate the fact that your life is unique and you're uniquely called by God. Someone would switch with your life in a moment, but you don't recognize the blessing that you carry. Leah would switch with Rachel, and Rachel would switch with Leah, right? Leah wanted Jacob's love, and Rachel wanted to bear children. You have to fall so in love with your own life that nobody else's life is your entertainment. Social media has made us uh, uh, in prison to other people's lives. We're so focused on what other people have and the life that they have. And what you see on the screen is not even reality. 
and we're infatuated with everybody else's life. You got to stand up and you got to be able to look at yourself times 10 and say, I'm enough. I'm exactly who God created me to be. I'm a part of a body and there is a plan from heaven and I have everything I need to accomplish what it is that I need to accomplish. I tell young people all the time, if you needed their the, those those kids' parents, you'd have had those kids' parents. God is about uh, doing, he's, he's, he's about the fine-tuning. He doesn't leave anything out, right? You have to be content with what God has given you. Content with the nose that God has given you. Content with the hair that God has given you. Kim, Kim and I were talking about hair this morning. Um, anyway, I could get on a sidetrack there. So, um, you've got to be content with the family God's given you. You've got to be content with the gifts that God has given you. People will say to me, oh, Shelly, I wish I had your life. You ever had anybody say, I wish I had, I wish I had your schedule. I wish I had your job. I wish I had your kids. I wish I had your life. I mean, that's, that's, people say that all the time. But, but you know what the reality is? I, I, I tell them all the time, take it, take it. You have no idea what my life is. You don't have no idea the fight that I have to fight. You have no idea because if you want to take my blessing, you also have to take my burden. But you don't know anything about my lowlights because all you're focused on are my highlights. And when we get into comparison of all of that, that's what you want to compare. But if you want to compare my blessing to your blessing, then you've got to compare my weakness to your weakness. And so we don't, the Bible clearly talks about the comparison game. You know, if you compare yourselves uh, to somebody's strengths, you have to compare also your weaknesses. You don't know what it takes to carry the mantle that I carry. You don't know what it takes to carry what your pastors carry. And we can be critical about it. And we can act like we, you know, but we're scared to be ourselves. But we can be all real critical of everybody else. Anyway, the fact is you can't take all of my gifts and not have my weaknesses. Comparison causes a Rachel, uh, uh, um, you, you to compare yourself in your life with everybody else and that you think God didn't give you enough. It doesn't cause praise in your life. You feel incomplete. You feel insecure. Yet, you are supposed to be a worshiper. He says he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, y'all saw, you know, what was the movie? What's my favorite movie? The the Disney movie, Lion. Uh, You know, you know what happens when you put the real lion on the throne? Or what happens when you put, what was his name? Scar. Like everything dies. Everything becomes like desolate. Right? Y'all didn't see that movie. What is that? What is it? Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. You're Lion King. That's what I thought. That's my favorite one, right? Right? <laughs> I, I, I struggle with uh, uh, cartoons. What is it called? Animation. But I like The Lion King. So, um, anyway. Um, so, basically, what you see here is Leah starts naming, and this is, this is what I want you to get. Now, I, I mean, I'm only on page five, and we may not get there to the end of this, uh, because there's some things that I, I want to, to release here. This is like a vein that I feel like, God, there are some, some people who need to hear this, because this shift is either going to 
push you further into comparison or it's going to pull you out. And God needs you to come out. Uh, Leah starts naming these boys out of her pain, Reuben and, and, and Simeon and Levi. And, and he names them out of her pain. The worst thing, like, I want you to get this. If you take a note, you need to write this down. The worst thing you can do is start putting permanent names on life circumstances based on temporary feelings that you have in a moment. I'm going to say that again. The worst thing that you can do is to let permanent words come out of your mouth that are only a reflection of a temporary state of being in your heart. I didn't say it the same way, did I? I'm sorry. I even got it written down, and I can't say it the same way. Get, y'all recorded this? Y'all can get it later. They will transcribe it for you if you struggle. Um, the worst thing you can do, I'll try to say it. I, I'm not even going to. Anyway, until let me say it to you like this. This is a condensed version. This is the quotable version. This is the part you post on Instagram. This is what it said. Until your heart is healthy, you cannot trust the words that come out of your mouth. We are a faith church. We believe that speaking, what does the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the, the, the heart, the mouth speaks. Until your heart gets whole, close your mouth. You frame your world by your words. Stop gossiping. Stop complaining. Close your mouth. Yes, God wants you whole. God wanted Leah whole. And until she got whole, she named things, she called things out of her pain. How many of us do the same exact thing? I mean, let, let me take this a little bit further. Y'all all right with this? Fear, I mean, fear is a real thing. The, the enemies is the enemy's uh, uh, tool, weapon. It has been, especially over this last year, closed down the church. People still hadn't come out of their homes. I know people that have not left their home since last March. I mean, that is the absolute truth. That's what they, why? Fear, right? When I was a little kid, I might share a little bit of this testimony tonight. I was a, my mom will tell you, I slept with her until I was about 13, 14 years old. She said 16. I don't know. I don't know. She may be calling things out of her pain. You hurt, baby. Come here. I don't know. I got so healed, I don't even see it that way anymore. I mean, I was scared child like very fearful I and 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 I and most people would tell you now I ain't scared of nothing like nothing and it's it's true Caroline's going nothing nothing and then she tried to make me scared of nothing like um and so uh, you know sometimes we get in situations though you get news I can remember Caroline she was born and um, she was born in the and in, in went straight into the NICU. There was a lot of health challenges. She had a feeding tube. She had, you know, I can remember one time we walked into the uh, the NICU unit and there was all like about eight heart. Uh, nobody ever said anything about a heart. Said things about a lot of other things. And there were heart people working on her. And and we weren't supposed to have. They should have stopped us at the door. They never should have let us in. We should have never seen what we saw, according to you know kosherness of the medical field. We should have never walked in there. They got eight. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the NICU, and they got this naked baby on a warm slab jacked up in the middle of the room because you can't even put clothes. I mean, she had never. I prayed for like 10 days of her first 10 days of her life. Lord, help her hair. I thought she had wiry, 
whatever. Everybody's because he had never had a bath. They couldn't bathe her. That's how <laughs> I found that out later when they bathe her first. I'm like, God answered my prayer. And they're like, no, baby, we just washed it. <laughs> I thought, I'm a woman of faith and power. Because, I mean, her, you look like if you poked her hair, it would break. And I thought, this child, like she's a beautiful baby, but her hair. God, don't make her hair like that. Help her. Like she'd be like, hey, that's that. She would have been Leah. It was ugly. <laughs> but it looks good now. Stand up, let them see your hair. Yeah, it's good. She's like, no. It's, she got braids at Universal. So, um, but we're there. And I remember walking in that room. And I'm telling you, fear grips you, right? And, and, and I, we have these things that we do in, in, in charismatic and in Pentecostal churches, in, in Word of Faith churches, in Baptist churches, in Methodist churches, it doesn't matter. What happens is we begin to pray and, 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 and we begin to pray in fear. And you say, well, what are we supposed to do? Like I begin to say all the things that I was fearing, right? Let, let me tell you something. The de- this is the best thing I ever learned. The devil is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. He only knows what you're scared of because you tell him. So shut your mouth. Because some of y'all got Rubens and Simeons and Levi's running all around your house because you are speaking out of a place of hurt and out of a place of fear. Permanent words that you cannot take back. Permanent words that when you get hold, you will wish you never had spoken. And I can hear some of y'all saying, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I, how am I supposed to pray? Then I thought I could tell God anything. I thought I was supposed to be honest. I thought, I mean, you know, because that's what religion, see, I, I'm not real religious, y'all. I don't want religion, I want God. And religion wants to make it nice and neat and tidy, put it on a bow, and make you feel like, mm, I just really like this. And it looks really good on my center, you know, uh, my, my, my table. And it looks really good when, when I worship like this. But when I get ugly and snot all over the floor, I mean, we were at the, the, the ramp. And I'm telling you, this girl, don't ever watch this, but uh, one of our girls in our youth group, two hours, they got drunk in the Holy Ghost in the middle of a van, in the middle of a parking lot for two hours. And they were laying hands on this one girl. She was bent over position for two hours, and when she got up, she had cried so hard. She wore glasses. She had cried so hard, snotted all over. She was struggling. She raised up. She had snot in the inside of her glasses. She couldn't see out because there. I mean, that ain't pretty. Most people, even when they fall out and they get a little, you know, they end the glory and they still dabbing their mascara, right? I'm in the spirit, but I am very conscious of the crustiness that is forming on my chin, right? No, I'm talking about where you're, you're, you're not trying to, to, to be something. You're trying 
to, to, to become something, right? You're not, so, so you say, what do I do in those moments? Religion, yes, you go to God as you are. You don't have to be something you're not. But I'm telling you something, when you're talking about faith, when you're talking about uh, uh, speaking to things, when you're talking about prophesying to your tomorrow, we sing songs about it, but then we go home and like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And, and I'm just scared that this report's going to come back this way and, and what this you know I like movies that have like espionage like you know I like counterintelligence I like I like seeing these guys come in and figure out what he's saying and take it back over here and then you got you can't figure out who the spy is because you know it's a double agent and it's a you know you think the enemy's not listening to what you're saying and then run into the demonic influences that are there to target your life and saying let me show you what his weakness is let me show you where if you hit him here in a fight you don't you don't you know if you got somebody with a right jab left you're gonna you're gonna go for their weakness right so you say what do I do let me tell you what you're supposed to do this is why we speak in tongues this is why we are Pentecostal this is why because when you are speaking in tongues the devil doesn't know what you're speaking to God about when I begin to sombrodabahashededidiasatapafrokol I, see, if I'd have walked in that room, I'm not even going to tell you what I said when I walked in that room. As a mama, and you're, you got a mind that functions and you understand, you think, and then they're like, oh, well, it, it, they thought there was a murmur, and then they said there was a hole, and then they said this, and I mean, and they just, they had the child, I didn't even know if she had a heart, like, compared to what, I mean, what they were, I mean, of course she had to have a heart, but you know what I mean? It's just like, what in the world? And your mind, because in a second, your mind can run the whole, like, the whole place, like you got, like in a second, you see a 17-hour movie, right? And fear grips you, and you begin to say that you ever been, like, on a flight, and y'all afraid to fly, you know, afraid, afraid, to, you know, and you, you see people going, and they're scared, and they're like, oh, Jesus, just don't let this plane crash. Oh, Jesus, you know, those are fear-filled prayers. You say, well, how do you pray? You close your eyes and you say We, you know, walk out of that room. I see what I see and I turn my back and I can remember. I got in my car and we we lived about 10 miles or so. It was, we lived in South Tulsa. It was in North Tulsa, this hospital. And I'm praying all the way home. I'm crying. And the Lord said, shut up. Shut up. Shut your mouth. And I thought, I was praying to you, Lord. <laughs> like, what in the world? You know, but that's how the Lord speaks to me. He's just real blunt. And some of y'all need to get that same bluntness or ear to hear. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, because uh, 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 you were never meant to pray in fear. And some of y'all are like, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know. Let, let me break it down for you. The Bible says it this way. It says, the prayers of a righteous man, what? Availeth much. Right? It goes on in the next verse. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. What kind of prayers were you meant to pray? Prayers in faith. Which means it is your prayer in faith that moves mountains. Which means you can pray in fear, but all you are doing is giving the devil ammunition 
of where to attack you next. Next time you are scared, shut your mouth, get down in your spirit, and let the Holy Spirit begin to direct you. You say, you, you know, I, I, I'd basically say it like this. When you're scared, there are three things you don't do. You do not birth Simeon, <laughs> you do not birth Levi, and you do not birth Reuben. Simeon, Reuben, Reuben, and Levi. You do not birth them when you are scared. What does that mean? Speaking out of your fear, speaking out of your pain, what do you, you, you rise up. I'm telling you, you are a warrior. God has put his spirit on the inside of you. God made you in his image. I've heard it this way. God's word, I was saying this to somebody the other day, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. And you say, well, I, I, I just don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe that. I don't know. Well, then just shut your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost. If you can't form words in English that God would speak over this situation, pray in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit, you pray perfect prayers. And your mind doesn't know how to pray perfect prayers. Fear will never produce perfect prayers. But when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God knows how to pray perfect prayers. So when you are scared, when things are unstable, shut your mouth and pray in the Spirit. I can't say it any louder. I could say on it a lot longer, but there's some things I want to get to. I mean, I'm just telling you. People do things and say things, and it's just religious, superstitious stuff. A lot of us even judge the way we pray by how we feel after we pray, not by the fact that we get results. It's just, well, I feel better, but nothing ever changes. So we're praying just to feel better. So, you know, for you, prayer's therapy. But they are prayer, I'm sorry, I, I'm, is this too strong? <laughs> I'm sorry, this is just me. This is why I said maybe the next time. <laughs> prayer is not therapy. Prayer is you, you know, somebody said it like this. They, uh, uh, actually, I wrote this down. My pastor said this, and um, uh, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, and um, this, is, this is how he said this. Um, uh, there's lots on here. I could read. He said, faith is not about just getting things. Don't dumb faith down to that. Faith is acting like God. Have the God kind of faith. There are more things than just using your faith to acquire things. By faith, God framed the world's. This is about operating like God. Did you ever see God or Jesus walk around in this earth and somebody come and go, oh, but my son, he's, oh, Jesus. Oh, shut up, hey, God, God, I'm, you know, I'm backing up. No, no, no. He says by faith, he framed the worlds uh, by his words, right? Jesus walked around in the same manner by his words. He began to speak things and situations. When he cursed that fig tree, guess what? It began to die at that moment, right? Your words, what you speak, there is power when you speak in faith, not in fear. That's just tipping the devil off. I mean, you don't have to like what I'm saying, but it's true. You can keep living life the way that you do. I've done it. It didn't work. And I looked at my life and said, you know, does it compare with how the disciples lived? And I realized I wasn't getting the results in my life that disciples were. So there were some things that needed to change. 
Anyway. Another thing I just want to touch on, and in, 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 I don't even know what these other things are. We may just have to, to move on. We'll land maybe, maybe right here. You know, we talk about in our worship how you prophesy to the things, right? And this comes right along with, with praying in faith, right? Confessions, people, you know, and, and back in the day, you know, when, when, when I was young, the word of faith movement and, and, and teaching of the word was just coming about. You had the full gospel businessmen and you had like your uh, 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 patrols of, of, of your mouth. You know, if you said something wrong, oh, you, ain't, you can't say that. You can't say that. And now, 20 years later, 30 years later, people were trying to speak the word. People were trying to, to say the right thing. And now we're almost like, you know, well, I don't want to say it that way because, you know, people talk about Christianese. And, and, I, and, I, and I get that. If I'm talking to somebody who doesn't even know God, I, you know, I, I got to say things away. That's why Jesus talked in parables. But when he was with his disciples, he turned around to one of them and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Like he didn't play. Like it wasn't parable story time. Let me get down in your level so you understand me. Let me tell you something. You are hindering the move of God, and God can't work. So you just need to get out of here. That wasn't a, well, so there was a man. Let me tell you this story. Like, so when I'm with, with people that need to hear the story in the parable, I'll tell you the story in the parable. But I'm telling you what, as a Christian, we don't sit back and watch and wait and, and see what will be. We declare what will be. That is the power of your words. That is the power of faith. God didn't make things complicated. We think, well, this is really hard. I was talking to somebody the other day about healing. And I said, you know, God didn't make it hard. God didn't make salvation hard. He said, if you can confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. Did you know that healing is a part of your salvation? I said to them, in the Old Testament, when they needed healing, they just looked up at that serpent. Remember Moses? They just looked up at the serpent and they were healed. Now, how in the world, what do we say? That's the old covenant. And now we have a what? A new and a better covenant. Well, how in the world does the gospel that we see preached and lived out in our lives be better than being old? I'm better. And we live with things, and we think, how in the world do we do this? God, I love you. And I, maybe it will work. I'm just going to, you know, well, you know, the thorn in my flesh just must be the cancer in my side. or you know, the, And I'm not making light of these things. I'm just saying if the Bible is true, as we believe that it is, it should work in this new covenant more and better than what has been demonstrated before us. Now, I'm not putting that on you. I'm putting that on people like me who's made it a religious ritual. Well, if you'll come to church and you'll pay your tithe, and you'll do this, and we're getting into a works mentality, right? But God didn't make it easy, even getting saved. I mean, you know, God, think about it. It had to be a legal way, naturally and spiritually. Jesus had to come, right? But even the transit, even Jesus hanging on the cross wasn't enough just to get you saved. Because you had to believe, there had to be a transaction, right? He could have done it. He could have said, well, if you pay a million dollars, you'll be saved. If you, because there had to be a transaction. If you could work as hard as Kyle does. You're like, I've seen Kyle work. No. If you could climb a mountain on your knees for six months. I mean, you know, everybody couldn't do that. Right? So he said, how can I do it where anybody can? Anybody can believe. Anybody can believe. 
The same way you get saved is the same way you get healed. It's by faith. But you have to have confidence in something. And what has happened is there has not been demonstrations in the power of God in the church like it was meant to have. It was easy to believe that Jesus could heal you when all you did was walk around and see Jesus heal people. Now we come to the church and have lay, hands laid on us, and we're, you know, we, we have more people go back and sit down that didn't get anything than get healed. I mean, that's the model that the church has modeled. That is a wrong model. That is not a God model. That is not what I see modeled in the New Testament church. Read it. I, this isn't my idea. I've read it because what I want to see is a generation rise up with the power of God and demonstrate. Paul said it this way in Corinthians. He said, I do not uh, come to you in excellence of man's uh, uh, speech, but I come to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Where is the demonstration of God? The Bible says that Jesus released the anointing at will. And then he said that, that, that the Son of God, maybe not in this order. He said this before he said that, but you know what I'm saying. He said the Son of God has become a Son of Man so that sons of men might become sons of God. You've got the same place. You can release the anointing into people's body, and it begins to heal, and it begins to make whole. God wouldn't have shown us these stories and told us the stories that he told us and showed us that it was possible for someone like Leah to be whole so that she could speak truth and righteousness if it wasn't possible. So you say, well, what, what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm praying in tongues. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. What does to prophesy mean? It means to declare. Right now, you can prophesy into the atmosphere. I can declare into my tomorrow. By my words, my words are framed. I have a good future. I have a right future. My, I speak over my kids. I prophesy over my kids every day. I speak into their future. Because whether you believe it or not, your words are the, you are the words that you've spoken over your life. And you say, well, I haven't really spoken bad things. But you haven't spoken right things. And you live in a world that wants to morph you into its idea of what you should be. And your thoughts are, 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 are a, a direct result of what you see. And you have these thoughts and you don't realize that your thoughts become words. Right? And your words... Anyway, so I create my reality with my words. The power of life and death are in the tongue. That's what the Bible says. I'm telling you exactly what the Bible says. And we, so if the, the power of life and death are in the tongue, does it not say that? Do we all agree it says that? So if the power um, of life and death are in my tongue, then with my tongue, I will build my tomorrow. Now, I get it's not a popular thing because you've been called the name it and frame it and the name it and claim it and the whatever. I know that God lives in me. The spirit of life is in me. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. The power of God lives in me. We weren't put here to just exist until Jesus came back. In the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, he told them what? 
Here you are. I want you to take dominion. And what was their job? To grow that little garden. And I say little compared to the world. I'm allowed to say little. That little garden, they were to take dominion. That was God's plan, to grow that garden. And then the life that was in that garden, the blessing that was in that garden, the communion with God in that garden, to grow it all over the earth. He said, take dominion. Do you know that God's plan has not changed? God's desire for you is the same desire and the same plan that he had in Adam and Eve. There's a little a little bit of shift of some things, of, 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 of different things. But you know, the enemy was in the garden. The devil was in the garden. The garden doesn't exist in the way that it did, but on the inside of you, it does. And his his will, his desire, his plan is to go be fruitful and multiply. Multiply what? The garden. Our job in Valdosta, Georgia, is to take dominion, to put a stake in the ground. And we have to say, this is how it will be. It will not be in my city like this anymore. We will run this out of my city. And God will reign in my city. You can take dominion in Valdosta, Georgia. But if you just think, well, whatever happens will happen, and my voice really doesn't matter, then you just sit down and get run over by every other voice. But when you prophesy, you know, sometimes people say, yeah, but, but when I say those things, I feel like a liar. I feel like it's not true. So people stop prophesying. And when I'm talking about prophesying, I'm not talking about stand up and thus saith the Lord. That's a prophecy. But the Bible says you need to prophesy. What does that mean? To set things straight, speak as it should be. And people say, well, when I say that over my family, when I say it over my life, that, you know, I I just feel like such a liar. And so they stop prophesying. But, you know, they they, they, they say, I start prophesying and it doesn't feel honest. That's what I've heard. But you want to tell you something? When you're truly prophesying, it doesn't feel honest. Because it's not what you see. And it's not what you feel. It's what you're saying it will be. You're declaring something. So it may not feel honest. And it may not look honest. But you know what? When, when, when you begin to speak and something becomes, right? Right? That's what we're talking. What do you think? You don't need to prophesy over something that's right. You don't need to prophesy over something that, that is, is what it is, right? Now, you can take it to a whole nother level. But so just because you feel, how many of y'all? How many of y'all would say, there's some things I'm believing for, but I don't know if I'd tell anybody? Raise your hand. And now how many of y'all say, there are some things that I am believing for, and people know that I'm believing for, right? And some of y'all ain't believing for nothing. Praise the Lord. You got to be in one of those categories, or I'm going to help you. Believe for something. (laughs) I got lots of things you can believe for. You know, what are you believing for? A lot of us are believing God for something, but I'm telling you, faith without works is dead, right? I'm going to say this, and then we're going to do something. We're going to try to get y'all out of here. Um, If you start preparing for a miracle, this 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 is what I want to say, because the demonstration, what I see in this church, I mean, what I heard over this church was that lion of the tribe of Judah, a house of worship, a house of praise. 
And you can praise God for what will be, or you can praise God for what is or what has been. And I believe you're going to have all three. It's not just future, oh God, we thank you for the miracles that are to come. No, God, we thank you for the miracle that we just saw, that we just experienced, and that we're getting ready to walk in, right? But if you're believing and you're preparing for a miracle, um, then, then that's faith. But so many of us are believing for a miracle without preparing. Guess what, Noah? You can make it. You can't. You, you, Noah, he could make it rain, but guess what he could do? He could build a boat. He could build an ark, and he could prepare for rain that was going to come, right? And Elijah, you can't make fire come down from heaven, but you can build an ark. You can dig a tree, not an ark, an altar. You can dig a trench, and you can even put a sacrifice on it and wait for the fire of God to come down, right? In faith, you go. Why? Because you're preparing for a miracle. you got to make room for the miraculous move of God in your life. So many Christians talk a good game in this day. So many Christians, they know what to say, and you look like you got it all together. But when you go home in your house, you cannot produce the power of God. You live underneath everything that this world throws at you. And I was that way in my life. And I got to a place where I thought, God, this is not the gospel I read. And I, I made it, it took, it was a five-year shift. I had to unlearn some things that I had learned. I had to relearn some things. And I had to learn what God said about it, not what I had learned in some religious church. Right? When it comes to adding action to your faith, most of us have prepared nothing. It's almost as if uh, uh, we're scared to have unused arcs in our backyard. But I'm telling you what, I would rather have an unused ark and be in faith than not have an, uh, 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 an ark at all and be not in faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.